This is Amateur Logic, episode 114, for February 15th, 2018. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Communicate with the best. ICOM uses the most advanced technology in their radios. Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. And I'm Emil. And it's great to be back again for our February show. Yep. Glad to be back. Is it February already? Uh, yeah. Halfway wow. through it. Mm-hmm. Gee, January went quick. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, well, this will be the first time that you've sat in that chair for a while, I guess. Yeah, I was sick one time, and then uh, for Ham College, I was out of town, so we did that remote. Yeah, so that was uh, a real interesting. Um, lots of stuff been going on lately. Uh, we had the Ham Fest here uh, a couple of weekends ago. You missed that. Yeah, I sure did. I hate I missed that because I had a little shopping list, too, but I guess I'll have to hold off for Dayton. I had a little shopping list, too. only had one thing on it. And you got it. And I you? bought it. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that really tonight. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, our buddy Wayne with us though. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Ham Fest, and <coughs> I've also got um, a good interview with our friend Martin Jew, K5FLU. Oh, cool. He's always interesting to talk yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, he is. And um, we talked about some new things they've got going on. And I also uh, ran into Will Jourdain from ICOM America. Oh, yeah. He was at the Ham Fest, and I got a chance to ask him a question that I ask him every time I see him. Oh, cool. Did he have any cool toys with him? He did. He had most of the cool toys. Awesome. Say most. He didn't have them all, but uh, the main cool toys he had with him. The coolest toys. Yep. So what have you been up to, Tommy? I uh, just been uh, traveling a good bit for my work. I've missed. I've been gone for two weeks, so I haven't really been up to a lot, ham wise. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, hope to make up for that this coming month, though. Got a few weeks I'm gonna be in town nonstop, so I'm gonna try to like double up on the ham activities while I'm here. Okay, get some airtime in. Uh, what about you, Peter? Well, I've uh, been playing around with uh, infrared transmitters. And, of course, you'll see a little bit of that later on in my segment. Okay, cool. What about you, Emil? Well, it's uh, it's Mardi Gras down here in the country of New Orleans, so happy Mardi Gras, everybody. And uh, it's been raining a lot, so I've been avoiding the parades, unfortunately. But uh, it's raining right now, in fact, <clears> here. And um, other than that, I've been 
messing around with uh, some amateur HF antenna build projects. Cool. That's cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. You know, anytime we're doing a, a live stream, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. AmateurLogic.tv slash chat. Uh, go there. There's a, a good group of folks in there right now chatting around, and we get a chance to look at it every now and then and see what they're up to. Oh, yeah. If uh, if you're watching the live stream and you're not in the chat room, you're missing half the fun. So uh, go join join us at the link you see up there on your screen. Yep. And those watching on YouTube, uh, the YouTube chat is disabled. You know, we really can't admin it and do all the other things we're doing here live at the same time. So we just have the one chat room here that we can kind of kind of jump in and. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a little easier to keep up with this one. Yep. Well, I mentioned a little while ago that. Well. Wayne and I had been to the Ham Fest. You did mention that, you're right. Yeah. yeah well, there's a I, lot of us. I remember it. A lot more than us there, too. But, Was it? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't record all of them. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what you got. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> it's the 2018 Capital City Ham Fest here in Jackson. I'm here with our buddy Wayne, KG5RE. Say hello, Wayne. Hello. We always make our way through the whole course here and look at all the new stuff and all the old junk, too. What did you find this year that uh, you just had to have? Uh, not really a whole lot. Uh, I did pick up a little HT just to have as a backup thing, but that's about it. Uh, a lot of stuff here, but that's the only thing that was really interesting for me. So that's about it. Well, I only bought one thing as well, and I, I looked around a lot, and I almost, well, it's not over yet. I'll just put it that way. Something else could still happen. Some of y'all may be noticing that uh, Tommy is not here with us this year. No, he is not. Tommy, we think he's in Iowa. He's somewhere out that direction working this weekend, so he couldn't make it. That's okay, though, because we've been having the fun for him right here. Yeah, I just happened to pick up the slack a little bit, so that's the way it goes. Yep, nothing wrong with that. Uh, we, we still haven't found what Tommy needs to buy yet, though. I, I'm sure we could come up with something, though. And you can hear they're, they're getting ready to call my name over there for the grand prize. It's never happened before, but it could. It's always the first time. Definitely so. Our friend Jim. You remember our friend Jim? Propane Jim. Yep. Jim the Torch. He was here uh, yesterday, and he was here this morning as well, and I hoped that we could catch up with him and get him on a little bit too, but he may have already split for the house. He, he came down and got a few things. I know he bought an old General Radio's decade resistance box that he had been looking for he had an arm load of stuff early this morning and uh i talked to him and he was he said i got to go out to the car and put this up so but he had a he had two handfuls of, of old stuff this morning so i don't know what all he got but he did get some stuff yeah he's getting into um experimenting with electronics right now and in particular precision measurements 
And so I think that's what he had his eye on is some some stuff useful for that. So there's well, it's winding down a little bit here. It's uh, it's around lunchtime, so there's probably people over in some of the forums over there as well as people eating. Yeah, we're going to wander around a little bit and uh, might maybe chat with a couple of folks. Yeah, maybe we can scare up somebody to talk to. So there you go. I appreciate it. Appreciate Wayne stepping up and taking the, taking up the slack for me when in my absence. And uh, I wasn't in Iowa though; I was in it's Utah. Idaho, wasn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was close. I told a lot. I was telling everybody you were in either in Idaho or well, I was I was actually about fifteen miles from Idaho. Okay. So, but anyway, I was in Utah. Yeah. Well, it was. So four letters. It was close. State. They all have four letters. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got an email here that oh. I wanted to read. Do you remember a couple of months? Was it a couple of months? I don't know. Sometime back, I built that heads-up display with the color TFT yeah, yeah, display in there. Arduino. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I was hoping somebody else would, would pick up on that. That's the reason I showed it and posted the code and all. And lo and behold, uh, our friend Lloyd... AE5MM sent me an email here and he says I like the heads up display you created. I don't need it because my FT897 display hasn't gone bad but he liked the big numbers that were on it. He had one small problem though. It took him way too long to figure out. Uh, It kept saying no data on the display and that took me a long time to figure out too, Lord. Um Anyway, he swapped the uh, TXD and RXD lines on the Megan, no joy. And then he remembered that I said it had to be at 9,600 baud. I figured it was a baud rate issue. So, and it wouldn't work at the next higher cat speed. And, and he changed it. And he sent us a photo here. And this is his heads-up oh, cool. display. Awesome. He did a nice job. Yeah, and he's also got that LDG AT897 tuner you can see on the left there. It only operates at 4,800 baud, so he backed it down to 4,800 baud on um, on all the serial communications there, and everything worked out. Of course, the display update's a little slower, but uh, it's functional. Martin G was at the Hamfest, and well, I had a great time visiting with him. Yeah, he's always interesting to talk to. He's yeah. uh, always looking around at things at the Hamfest and uh, looking for ideas for the next product and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, here's our friend Martin Jew, K5FLU from MFJ Enterprises. Martin, always good to see you. Well, I'm glad to be here at this uh, great Jackson Hamfest, having a good time. Uh, I just bought uh, three more antique radios for my collection and. Uh, Gonna have a hard time walking around in my office again. <laughs> what did you What did you pick up? I bought another one of those Space Spanner regenerative receiver that I had when I was a kid. I bought a rare night kit, one of their very early transistor model shortwave radio, and then uh, the third one. 
Shit, I forgot what it is now. Um, it's another radio. I have to look at it. Boy, my memory is short. <laughs> uh, I understand. I got the uh, same thing going on myself. So I just want to congratulate you on the uh, excellent 45th anniversary celebration over in Starkville back this past year. I, we had a big time over there. Well, that that was wonderful to see so many friends that have that came over and helped us celebrate our 45th. And I appreciate you coming. And uh, we had a great time. I mean, we just 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 had a wonderful time meeting everyone and and seeing how far away they came. But that was a very nice event. I imagine you spent quite a bit on chicken there. It looked to me like there was a, a standing room only crowd. Oh, I tell you, we had, we must have fed 600 people. Uh, well, we're more uh, with uh, fried chicken and corn and green beans and soda water and, and, and uh, tea, and we had a great time. We had some people that left full. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the factory tours are always great. And it had been, well, it had been since the last one that I had been through there. And, you know, a lot of stuff remained the same, but some things had changed too. And it's always interesting to see what kind of ideas you come up with and and how you go about pulling them off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've got several things that that, uh, we have brought to market since then. Uh, One of them is a really low-noise receiving loop. That's especially good for right now for the 80, 40, 160-meter band because it'll cover up to 30 megahertz and down to VLF. And and uh, we brought out the Cobweb antenna, which has turned out to be one of the most popular antennas. Uh, we've got a brand-new uh, uh, SDR radio uh, that uh, is around $679.00 fully SDR, built-in battery, built-in antenna tuner, a really nice radio uh, for the money. We've got a whole new line of coax. We've just got a whole bunch of stuff. We've got some hex beams coming up, two-element and three-element hex beams, and we're going to add 30 and 40 meters onto the uh, hex beam. Those are single elements. And then we've got a two-element um, uh, the MA6B, that's on, on the Cushcraft side. And we're going to bring out a shortwave vertical antenna tuned just for the shortwave band. So we've got lots of stuff going on right now. Boy, it sounds like you do. And I have, I have tried out a few of those things, that receive loop. I, I'll testify personally, it works well. I, I, uh, I was impressed with the performance on it. And signals I could not hear with my 80-meter uh, loop, I could hear with that little receive loop just fine. Well, you know, the big advantage is uh, the signal-to-noise ratio goes up. I mean, the signal levels might be about the same, but you can hear it a whole lot better. And also, it's if you rotate it, it's got a null in it, and you can just null out somebody that's causing you trouble. Exactly. Uh, also, the... Um, cobweb antenna, I've tried that out. We used that at field day this year, and we're real impressed with, you know, how easy it was to set up, how small it was, and how well it worked. Well, you know, that has been a very good antenna. 
we're adding a uh, an extension kit to it where uh, you get some extra pieces of pose that extends the uh, length of it a little bit, but then you can operate 40 meters and 30 meters on it, so it'll make it, and also six meters, so it'll make it a very versatile, versatile uh, one uh, single uh, antenna that you can put up real easily. And also, we're, we're going to come out with one that you can fully assemble and fold it down so it becomes portable and so you can put it back up real quick. I'm interested in seeing this hex beam when it comes out, too. I know that's, that's real popular for, for portable-type operations or those with limited space, and you get a little gain off of that, too, don't you? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a uh, two-element uh, wide band for each one of the bands, and we're going to have three models. Uh, two of them are available now. One of them covers 20 meters through 6 meters, and the other one will cover 20 meters through 6 meters as a two-element Yagi, but we also add 30 and 40 meters on it as a single element. And then the third one that's coming out is a full-fledged three-element hex beam, so you can get a lot more gain and directivity out of that one. And that little Zygu transceiver, that, that software-defined radio, I looked at that back in December, and, you know, I, I don't know that I've seen uh, uh, HF radio that would be more ideal for taking out portable because it, it's everything. It's got the battery built in. It's got the tuner built in. And it, it worked really well. I talked to some guys I normally use 700 watts to talk to with just the, the five watts in that little rig, and they said it sounded good. Well, did you notice uh, that... Uh, the radio is oriented with a BNC connector on the end, but also a microphone is built right into the body of the radio so you can hold it up like a walkie-talkie. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but, uh, yeah, I'll have to look at, look for that. And uh, y'all have some other things coming from uh, Zygu you're going to be uh, selling as well, right? We do have. We have a, uh, a add-on amplifier that will take... Uh, the output of that 5-watt radio up to, I forgot what it was now, 100, 150 watts. And it has a built-in auto-tuner in it. And we also have an accessory that will, uh, it's a hub that will allow you to do all the dig- digital modes and provide input and output ex- uh, uh, to the accessory ports. Makes it easier to use, Yeah. Well, I was really impressed with what I saw. I mean, it's a um, really interesting concept and very portable, lightweight. Just, I mean, it'd be perfect for backpacking or anything like that. Oh, yeah, especially with the built-in battery and the built-in automatic tuner. All you need to do is uh, just throw a wire up somewhere and turn it on, and, and you can just start talking. It's a beautiful radio. Well, I appreciate you talking with us today. It's always good to see you and catch up a little bit. And uh, so will the next party be the 50th or will it be the 55th? Uh, It'll be the 50th. Uh, We do it every five years. Mm -hmm. And um, we will definitely have a a party uh, for our 50th anniversary. The only thing I have to do is make sure I'm still here. Well, we'll be looking for you. 
and uh, and everything that comes out between now and then from MFJ. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate talking to you. Right, thank you, Martin. He's he's always looking around at those ham fests at at things and uh, at a need. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Some of the stuff that runs through his mind. Yeah, have you ever met Martin? Email. Yeah, several times at Hamfest. In fact, I think once there at uh, um, Jackson. Oh, a couple of years ago when you yeah. was up. Yep. Is there a cat scratching at a door or something? <laughs> it is actually rain. <laughs> oh, is that that's rain? Wow! Oh, wow! <laughs> it's a metal roof. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a hailstorm. Uh, yeah, it sure did. Yeah. Well, we could have some of that here tonight, too. Uh, not hell, but some heavy rain. Oh, so yeah. you might. I'm, I'm surprised. It's supposed to be thunderstorms. So usually, if there's going to be a thunderstorm anywhere in the area, it usually thunders while we're shooting. Yeah, it does. Uh, the hex beam, man. I'm looking forward to, to trying one of those out. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Pretty cool. That's. Yeah, because I've never really had a beam for HF. No, yeah, me either. It'd be pretty nice to have, man. Well, yeah, yeah. You. Well, we'll talk more about it when we get one here and yeah. can set it up and play with it a little bit. Then we're going to be back with a lot more. Yes, a cat on a hot tin roof, John. I just just <laughs> saw that there. It's on the wet roof. Yeah. All right, we'll be back in just a moment, but first let's get a message from ICOM. Communicating has never been more fun than with ICOM. From D-Star to SDR, ICOM uses the most advanced technology in their radios. The SDR you've asked for is here. ICOM's new 7610 is a high-performance RMDR with the ability to pick out the faintest signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The new ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling, software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of a SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling system, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. Communicate with a new D-Star communications device. Easy to operate, the ID31A Plus is available in silver, red, or gold. Worldwide digital communication. Share pictures and text messages. IPX waterproof, compact, lightweight, and tough. The ID31A Plus is the new UHF handheld that you'll want. Visit ICOMAmerica slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Next week, Friday night, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, 0200 UTC, we will have Rock and Ray sitting right here. And the 7610 sitting right here. Yep. What? Yep. So we're going to get around to shooting that uh, 7610 in-depth review. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I and, and obviously a lot of people are as well. I can't tell you how many emails and, and posts oh, we've yeah. had about that. People are just jumping at the bit to see that. Yeah, somebody, I don't remember who now, somebody posted, I think it was on the Facebook group, that they bought the last... IC7610 at the Orlando Ham Fest. And I wrote them back and I said, there better be at least one more. There's going to be a lynching. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm I'm pretty sure Ray's got one stashed back to bring over here. 
And and they're steady making them. So I, I know it's popular though. Oh yeah, very popular. Uh, Speaking of popular, there was a, an event that happened. Uh, it may still be happening. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, time table is. I think it's over. I think yeah, Arnie's back Arnie in the was chat there. room. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I, I got a post from yeah, the Google Plus group. It's from my friend Tom, uh, Tom Applenick. I hope I didn't butcher that. I say that every time. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've, you've seen stuff from Tom before, WA2IVD. He says, uh, Quartz Fest 2018 is in the history books. There was record attendance this year with 840 people registered by Friday afternoon. AmateurLogic.tv was well represented. George and Tommy even made a brief appearance at the Hamman statue. Jerry? Oh, there we are. Right yeah, there. there we are. That's, uh, that's a picture of me of a picture of me. That is, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm the one in the... He's holding, not the guy standing there with the flag. You're not the guy with the shirt. Not the guy with the flag. Okay. Although I have had my hair cut like that before. And what are they... This ham man thing here, what's what's the deal on that? Yeah, I think that's the, uh, don't they call that the burning ham thing? I th- yeah, I'm, they I'm did one for, year. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I'm, I'm not totally sure what they do with that guy. Oh, that's what they do with well, it. That's what I thought, but yeah. I wasn't 100% positive. So anyway, uh, also, he, he said we made a brief... Made a brief appearance, and uh, Jerry, AI6TK, and Amy, AI6ZU, that's Jerry Ellsworth, and Amy Herndon there. You you remember those from the show? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're both big fans and showed off some amateur logic swag at the Handman statue. Gordo was a big part of the fest, as always, and Randy, K7AGE, was there, too. They're pictured here in the Burning Ham event at the main fire ring. Maybe next year we can convince George and a couple other amateur logic hosts to come out for the fun. It it does look like a big time. I've I've seen so many posts on Twitters, on Twitter from people out there. Yeah. I, I just want to go, man. It's on my bucket list to go. Yeah. Um. The the time off from work is a big issue right now because we're real busy. But maybe uh, next year or so things will slow down a little bit and can uh, work out some different time off schedule. Yeah. But uh, it looks awesome, and, and we were we were well represented there. Oh, I've, we were, yeah. I've seen a few pictures of uh, Jerry and Amy with uh, Ham College swag on as well. Yeah, so um, th- thumbs up, ladies. Yeah, thanks, you know? thanks, Tom, yeah. for sending that in. And Tom always represents. He's uh, he oh, always represents yeah. well. So you know, he's a good friend of the show. Really appreciate him. He that he, stuff in. He made sure that shirt got to a lot of. Uh, destinations in the past. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, so anyway, I always look forward to seeing where he goes with that. Yeah. Kind of like the hat. Exactly. Yeah. And this past week on Ham Nation, we had a uh, a video interview there that uh, Randy K7AGE did with Jerry and Amy uh, inside their RV. Yeah, so yeah, I saw that. It was that pretty was, That was pretty cool. And they were they were wearing the swag. Yeah, the Ham, ham College too. swag, yeah. I think, in that one. But uh, Jerry's she just doesn't stop, man. Did you you see the all yeah. that, that? Oh yeah, I saw it. Too. She she's, built, and she's pretty too. amazing. Yeah. They, they're always building things. Uh, yep. Anyway, it's very impressive. Yep. And there'll be uh, part two of that will be um, next week. Yeah. That's on right. Ham Nation. Looking so forward to seeing. That. Looking forward to seeing that too. Well, Tommy, you 
I know you're big on the uh, software-defined radio receivers. Yeah, I've uh, you know I bought one at Huntsville. I'm uh, not Huntsville at uh, Dayton last year, mm-hmm. and I haven't really played with it to, very much until recently. So that's what my my segment's about. That and uh, well, here let's take a look at it, and we'll talk about it after it's over. Dayton last year, I got a new toy. Uh, I think I told you about it. I've got an SDR Play RSP2. I haven't done very much with it because. I was running that Mac, and I didn't like the software that I was able to use with it. I recently got a new computer. I got a PC again. I've handed down my iMac to my son. I've still got a MacBook Pro uh, for what things I do need on there. But I've been able to use this SDR Uno software that's available for the SDR Play. And it's really amazing. Since I got the new computer, I've also been trying to get my station set up here. So I've got uh, one of these little active antennas from MFJ. I think it's the 1020C. It is the MFJ 1020C active uh, shortwave listening antenna. And I was going to give it a run through and try it out. Right now I've, I've got the telescopic antenna that comes with it. And we're also going to try it out with my 40 meter off center fed dipole that you saw me put up uh, earlier this summer, this past summer. Uh, but anyway, let's give it a run through and let's see how it does. This uh, little tuner, well, I call it a tuner. It's an active antenna uh, with a pre or a pre-selector, depending on how you use it. But anyway, it's pretty impressive. Uh, let's take a look at it. So I'm gonna go ahead and start the SDR Play software, and it's running. So let's go ahead. I'm, I'm just gonna put the volume down for just for a minute until we find something to listen to the active antenna runs off of 12 volts the what it is is basically it's an antenna with a little bit of a booster or preamp in it and it does require power so I've got this 12 volt battery that I'm going to run it off of for the moment I believe it will run off a 9 volt as well or a power supply that you can get separately but I'm just going to plug up this battery just so I have something to run at the moment I'm going to give it a try with the telescopic antenna first, and let's see what we get. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it on. We've got a selector switch here. We've got a bypass button. We've got a gain knob and a tuning knob. So let's go ahead and turn it on. I'm going to try to find something short wave around the 7 megahertz area or so, just for starters. So I'm going to tune this to 7 megahertz. So if we look through the scale here, we can see uh, 7 megahertz falls on bands, band D. So let's go ahead and put that on D. We can see the power light comes on. And I'm going to set the gain to medium for the time being. And we'll turn this marker till it gets about to 7. That should be tuned pretty close to 7 megahertz. So let's go ahead to our... Uh, SDR Play software here or SDR Uno and let's take a look at it. Let's first of all let's see if we can find something to listen to. And I already do hear something. I think I hear a short wave station. Let's go ahead and put it on 20 meters. And I see a little spike here. See one here, 14, 325, 
but don't really see anything strong enough to listen to. See what that is. Not too much there. Let's try one of the other bands. Let's try uh, 40 meters. And I can get some CW there. If you notice, you can hear a lot of noise in with it. So let's go ahead and let's use our tuner here and let's see if we're in the right area. Well, look at that. If you look at our band scope across there, you can see when I'm tuning that there's a rise in the area that's in tune. Let's go ahead and emphasize that and change our bandwidth to the full 10 megahertz that the SDR play can support. Now when I tune, you can see that spike crawling all the way across the spectrum right there. I'll put it right there on my marker. And I, I usually like to run it on 2 megahertz so I can kind of zoom in pretty close on what I'm trying to listen to. We can take our gain here and turn, uh, turn it up and amplify it. It does amplify the noise as well, so you need to find the sweet spot here. Or you can buy, push the button here and bypass. That's basically it without the active antenna. Okay, so we can hear that guy. And let's see if we can clean him up. So let's go ahead and re-engage. And we see our tune is off. Let's go ahead and bring it back over where it needs to be. And then let's bring the gain down. Well, that cleaned up. The antenna also supports an external antenna. And I think that's where I've had the most luck out of it. So let's go ahead and let's remove the telescopic and we'll just lay it down. And let's hook up my 40 meter off center fed instead. And that's going to really open things up. Now look at our waterfall. We've got a lot more on there. people really listen to that so the the main reason I want to set this up is I want to have my short wave station here and listen to let's use my SDR to listen to short waves other things too but primarily short wave broadcasts and enrolled, the IRS will stop all the collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for... Okay, so there's a good example. You can hear some interference coming around it. 
you need. If you owe more than ten thousand in taxes, call for free So when we turn that up, when we tune in that signal, turn the gain down, which is kind of counterintuitive, but we're wanting to bring the, what we want to hear up and get rid of the other noise. It makes your quality of listening a lot better to listen to for extended periods. I was able to reduce the adjacent signals and bring in the, the one that I want to hear. I, I think using the telescopic antenna would be great if you're out somewhere in a low noise environment, but I've got all kind of computers, radios, uh, switching power supplies in here, televisions, and a lot of, a lot of noise generating devices. Not to mention Wi-Fi on just about everything in here that's plugged up in my whole house. Um, so we're, this is probably not the best option for indoors. But if you were going camping or if you had a, a low RF environment, low noise environment, it would, it would be pretty nice uh, use for you. So I'm, I'm going to try taking it to the hotel this week when I go back to work and sit it in the window and see what I can get using it. This, the MFJ1020C is a nice little device. It's a nice tool to try to clean things up and enjoy your uh, shortwave listening a lot better. So, recommended? Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's a really cool. Uh, I wasn't sure how well it was going to work. And obviously, the whip's not going to work inside around all your gear. It just yeah. I mean, it works some, but about like you would expect. But uh the it really when I put the other antenna on it, it really made a big difference. Oh, so, yeah. like, you know, if you listen to that stuff you when you hear all those other signals mixed in there it just sort of fatigues you it does me it fatigues my ears almost gives me mm -hmm. a headache if i listen a long time so it, it really really cleaned it up cool it's pretty cool not to mention the uh the software that sdr uno software have you seen it before no i hadn't it's 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 really nice uh it kind of come it comes with the sdr uh play device but there's also an external I.O. version. I think it works with your like your RTL dongle, although I haven't tried it with my dongle yet. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, it's pretty cool software. I may do something else on it later. Cool. Um, it's pretty nice. I mentioned, mentioned it a while ago when we saw uh, Tom there wearing his swag, mm -hmm. and we saw Jerry and Amy with the swag. What if you wanted some of that swag for yourself? Well, you know, it's funny that you asked that, because we have a slide right here that says that... Uh, <laughs> How convenient. Coincident yeah. Coincidence? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, anyway, so uh, you can go to amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get your own swag there. We've got hats, shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, ham college uh, sweatshirts, uh, Double secret probation. Yeah. Conditions. Yeah. Um, anyway, lots of good stuff there. So go check it out and see. The ones with the invisible writing on the back. Yeah, the ones with your visible call sign. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay. Well, Peter, I last month you were playing with one of these. A remote or, or with something. a hole in it? Yeah, something similar to this one. Maybe not this exact one. This is the one with the hole in it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Do you want to expand on that? Uh, oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't quite sure which way you were leading into that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, playing around with uh, infrared receivers as part of uh, my quest to remotely control your amateur logic TV side 
in front of you using the power of nothing but radio. No internet control from the other side of the world. So first thing I had to do was to, to work out a, a little bit about receiving infrared uh, codes. And part two uh, of that quest is this month. And uh, in that, I now move to uh, transmitting uh, infrared codes. And so now uh, using an Arduino, I can uh, take a device like that uh, Abitologic TV sign and uh, make it do things. So let's see how we go. Hello and welcome once again. Last month, I used an infrared receiver connected to an Arduino to determine which code a remote control was sending when I pressed a button on the remote. You can easily use the infrared receiver with a cheap generic remote control to send commands to your Arduino. Today, however, I'm going to continue my quest to remotely control the amateurologic sign on George and Tommy's desk using only the power of radio. Yes, no internet. To do this, I'm going to use an Arduino to send commands to the amateurologic sign. Of course, to do so, I'm going to need an infrared transmitter. Fortunately, these are easy to get and quite cheap. You can find them on eBay. Just search on Arduino and Infrared Transmitter and you'll see the modules. For convenience, however, I purchased my transmitter locally from an electronic store called JCAR, which is something like the American store Radio Shack. The part number I purchased was catalogue number XC4426. The module cost a little more than on eBay, but sometimes you can't beat the convenience of a local bricks and mortar store if you need a part quickly. Now, here's the module. Again, it's very simple. There are three pins. The two outer pins are marked with a minus sign and the other with an S. The minus sign is ground, and the S is your signal pin. The pin in the middle is for plus 5 volts. To wire this up to the Arduino, connect the ground connection on the Arduino to the ground connection, the minus sign, on the transmitter board. Then connect plus 5 volts on the Arduino to the middle pin on the transmitter board. And finally, connect pin 3 on the Arduino to the pin marked with an S on the transmitter board. From a hardware perspective, that's all you've got to do. Now, I'm sure some of you out there are wondering, what happens if you mistakenly swap the plus 5 volts and signal pins on the transmitter board? In other words, you feed 5 volts to the signal pin and pin 3 is connected to the plus 5 volt pin on the transmitter board. Well, the good news is that you don't get any smoke. However, the bad news is that you get a small explosion and your $5 infrared transmitter LED looks like this. Good thing I purchased a spare. Anyway, don't swap the wires, okay? Now, let's move on to the software. But first, I've actually got to make a correction to episode 113. 
Now, you recall that I mentioned a uh, IR or infrared remote library by the name of NicoHood. In fact, at the end of the day, that wasn't the library I used. I actually found a better one, and you'll see that library uh, down below. So for last episode, and also for the transmit example in this month's episode, use the link below. At its simplest, you can use the example program IRSendDemo. First, transfer the program into your Arduino Uno and hit the reset button. The infrared code, which is a Sony remote code in the program, will be sent every 5 seconds. Now, your eyes can't see infrared, but if you start the camera program on your mobile and hold your mobile over the transmitter, your mobile will see the transmissions and show it to you on the mobile screen. To use your Arduino to remotely control your TV or some other device, all you need to do is program in the appropriate codes and modify the transmitter software we were just using. If you look carefully at the sample code, you'll see the following command. irsend.sendsony and then uh, code and pin 12. This is the on-off switch on a Sony remote. To send Sony commands, you use the format above and then substitute the code you want to send. You will have captured the codes using your IR receiver. Now my TV is a Samsung, so I need to send Samsung codes. To do this, I modify the line to read irsend.sendsamsung and then the code and comma 32, which is the number of bits. Now, of course, I only need to send that once, uh, not three times, for the Samsung. Now, for a list of the transmitting formats, go to the following link, and you'll see the uh, format for your particular kind of remote. In some cases, you may need to actually uh, receive the raw codes and then uh, output the raw codes, but there are programs to do that. In each case, you'll send the appropriate format code, and then in the brackets you first have the code you're sending and the number of bits. There's Arduino receiver code at this link, which when used with an IR receiver will get you the code and the number of bits for your program. Do also take note that some formats, e.g. Sony, may have to be sent multiple times. In the case of the Sony infrared, the command must be sent three times. So to finish off for today, I've collected a number of Samsung codes and written a short program which does the following with a short delay between each command. First, it turns my TV on, then changes it to channel 2, then 7, and then 9, and finally turns the TV off because there's nothing decent on TV anyway. Let's see if it works. Now my Arduino code is now running. Now watch the red light in the bottom right hand corner and it's starting to flash which means the Arduino has turned the TV on. Now look up in the top left hand corner and you'll see that it's now switched to channel 2 per my, the instructions that were put into the Arduino. And now it's switched to channel 7 and now channel 9 and now with a little bit of luck it should switch the TV off 
and the red light has come on, so that means the TV is now switched off. I call that a success. Now, I just have to get the codes from Toby for the Amatologic Sign Remote, and I can start work on the final piece of the puzzle, which is using a Raspberry Pi to decode WSPR transmissions, and then, if a transmission is received from VK3PB, send whichever infrared code that I put into the WSPR transmission. In this way, I'll be able to control the amatologic sign from the other side of the world. I'm surprised it worked with that bullet hole in the bottom of your television yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, somewhere on the line, I put a little little dent in the uh, in the table. Anyway, uh, so I'm getting much much closer now to uh, being able to remotely control that sign. And assuming that I have some success there, then I will move on to the ultimate use of this technology, which will involve me um, trying to convince Elon Musk to wire my setup to the launch button on the Falcon Heavy rocket and then remotely launching it from Australia. Don't know how much success I'll have on that score, but one can only try. With your infrared television remote control? Yep, exactly. Wow. I noticed there w- it doesn't seem like there was much there to watch in Melbourne. Uh, well, we do. It's funny. We uh, used to have just uh, about four or five channels, and um, uh, we've now, with digital, got about uh, 16 or 17 different channels, some including a couple of shopping channels. But uh, I've got to say, the quality of television in recent years has really uh, diminished, and you talk to younger people these days, at least in my country, and um, most of them uh, don't watch much uh, TV at all. They're on their computers watching YouTube or watching um, or streaming through uh, uh, things like Netflix. Yep, I know what you mean. Uh, most of them here are watching Amateur Logic. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few here also yeah. watching Amateur Logic. Wow. Well, that, that's cool, Peter. We're going to have to see... Uh, the next step here, if we're going to be able to make that that big connection and right. yeah, I you got change a little the pressure colors. on now. Yeah. I'm going to have to wire my Arduino and bring it over here and make sure I get the right codes from your remote yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll take, uh, it'll take a, a couple of months. So it probably won't be next episode because in the interim, once I've got the codes and I put it into an Arduino, I'll make up a very simple test article, which I'll send you, Tommy, and you can just see that whether or not that works with the sign or whether it's turning or changing the colours, etc. Once, uh, assuming that that uh, works okay, then um, I'll put the Raspberry Pi stuff together. Okay. Now, it's, it's a little bit difficult because I have to come over here on the weekend because I'm, I'm gone through pretty much every week during the week. So mm-hmm. it's a week between yep. each time I could make it over. So yeah, That's I have to fine. make sure That's I can catch leisure. up with George at the same time. Yeah. But if you wrote the code, um, I could just shoot it here at you over the internet. Well, you got to and get, you, can, you can get the code. I mean, you actually may have it right now. There's a, a no. I mean, send it to you for you to decode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there was there were links in the. Uh, um, in the uh, segment that I just gave, that actually, what the, what I think the very last link actually uh, is some receiver code, a different receiver code to last episode, um, that actually will get you not only the code but the number of bits. 
So uh, that might be the way to go. Cool. Right. But I I got the stuff. I just uh, haven't had a chance, so hopefully I can get over here. Um, Yeah. Remember, you don't actually need the sign. You just need the remote. Right. As long as you know what the keys do on the remote, okay, what you do is you take your remote back to your own place, and then you go, right, I know key one changes it to red. So you press key one, and you get the code for that, and so on and so forth. Right. Cool. Well, when you're not watching television there, Peter, what do you watch? Um, I watch a a fair bit of YouTube. Um, uh, I also watch uh, satellite television because I've uh, got a satellite this year, Mm -hmm. so I watch, try to practice my Dutch. Um, and, uh, but I also, uh, am busy doing research and other things, mm-hmm. uh, as you'll find out probably a little later, uh, I, um, I'm doing a bit of research on some, um, uh, Dutch links in Western Australia mm-hmm. at the moment. Can I give you a hint? Mm-hmm. Go. Oh, yes. You want me to talk about, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, this. <laughs> okay. Well, I better grab my glasses because the writing is incredibly small here look we've got a uh or i got a uh, email from uh, phil vk6 adf and he lives up on a place called dongara on the uh the west coast of uh australia or in western australia up a bit from perth so this is uh it's not so heavily settled up that way. In fact, you can drive 100 kilometres and not see anybody, no problems at all. Anyway, um, he's attached a couple of photos because he knows that I've got an interest in drive-in theatres. And uh, I've heard of this uh, drive-in theatre before. It's called the Dongara Drive-In Theatre. And uh, in post-editing, I'm sure George will actually put these photos up for you to have a look. And uh, it's a community-run drive-in theatre. And uh, it looks terrific. It would be great to go see a movie there in the warm summer nights uh, here in uh, in Australia. So uh, that's that's terrific, Phil. There's a new ultra-portable multi-mode QRP transceiver on the air. And MFJ is the exclusive authorized North American sales and service distributor. The Zygu 5105 is a super lightweight portable transceiver, perfect for handheld use, but with the features you would expect from a full-size rig. The Zygu X5105 includes a high-capacity 3,800 mAh rechargeable battery pack for 5-watt operation on all HF bands plus 6 meters. You get single-side band, CW, AM, FM, RIDI, and PSK31 modes. Marketed exclusively in the U.S. by MFJ, carrying the Zygu X5105 is like having a sophisticated full-size rig right in your pocket. Features include a built-in, highly efficient automatic antenna tuner, split-frequency transceiver function, RIT, noise blanker, digital noise reduction, notch filter, and computer-aided control functions. The general coverage receiver covers 500 kilohertz to 30 megahertz plus 6 meters. Smooth digital tuning offers precise 1 hertz resolution. The large 3.6 inch LCD display with rich content makes operation a breeze. You also get multiple bandpass filters, selectable AGC speed, computer interface for digital modes, built-in keyer, CW trainer, multifunction microphone, VSWR band sweep function, and more. 
With the Zygu X5105, QRP no longer means sacrificing those convenient high-tech operating features that make ham radio fun. And you won't need to pack a bag full of cables and boxes either because the Keyer antenna tuning unit and high-capacity battery pack are all built right in. Visit MFJ Enterprises today and learn more about the new ultra-portable multi-mode Zygu X5105. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. That's a very interesting-looking little radio. Yeah, that, that would go really nicely in a suitcase for a fellow that... That travels a lot, uh-huh. like every week. Like every week. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's a nice-looking little rig. You you had one here, right? Well... Uh, well I, I only got to keep it here for a couple of weeks. Uh, so, did well, you make any, make any QSOs on it? Actually, it was only seven days, I think. Uh, I did. Really? I actually did. I uh, got on uh, 80 meters one night. Cool. Email, it's one of your favorite times of the show here. It's when things get really cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like uh, being really cheap to bring <laughs> out a good, cheap, old man segment. Um, well, this month... Guys, I decided to uh, put some more of that amateur into uh, an antenna project that I have here, and got a two-part series. And this part is the design of my, uh, or the thoughts behind the antenna uh, that I'm going to put up to try to do some of the things that Tommy was doing over there: increased uh, so, uh, signal-to-noise ratio on a particular uh, band that I'm interested in. Hello, George, Peter, and Tommy. In this episode of Cheap Old Man Minutes, I wanted to try my hand at designing my own Delta Loop uh, for HF and building it as well. So this video is going to be a part one and what I did to actually design the antenna. So the first thing I did was to do some internet research. And I did find a great site with lots of information about Delta Loop's configurations and their characteristics um, from a fellow ham in Texas, I believe it is, w5sdc.net. And he has this wonderful site here that shows many of the properties of the Delta Loop and its uh, configurations and what have you. It's a lot of information, well written, and um, good information. Uh, one of the best things I've seen actually on the, on the site so far is this uh, configuration and what, they, what it means as far as how you feed it, how you hang it or put it up in its orientation versus the uh, polarization and the radiation angle you get from that. So I can't wait to test it and uh, try it out. He's done a lot of the fun work for us already. Like for instance, I want to use a 20 meter um, loop so that I can also use it on 10 meters as well. Um, But the uh, 20 meters size here, as you can see, is calculated as 71.546 feet. And um, that's what I'm going to use. So one of the first things I decided to do was just do a rough sketch of the design. Um, And here you can see my mastery and artistry with the uh, tree. Um, I have some large pine trees in my yard and that's what I'll be 
uh, using uh, for the antenna as far as getting it in the air. Um, down here at the bottom of the tree I do have a keel that you can find at Common Hardware or, or Marine stores like for boats and stuff. Um, uh, from there there's a rope that hangs over the, one of the branches which I uh, plan to get up there using the um, air cannon I built in one of the earlier episodes. Um, one of the things that I decided to do this time as well, taking cues from uh, Bob Heil, um, is to use a, uh, a carabiner or a carabiner, however you say it, um, basically climbing equipment to actually hang this thing. We'll, we'll see how I'm going to actually work that out, but I, I did put that in the design here. Um, and if you notice the orientation of the uh, delta loop in this case is hung uh, with the apex down and the reason for that is from the site uh, I wanted horizontal polarization with a moderately high uh, radiation angle for uh, really domestic um, talk within the US <clears throat> I'm sure it'll do more but that was my reasoning for picking that and uh, on the sketch here I also uh, showed the uh, sky waves leaving out at the moderately high uh, radiation angle into the uh, RF as a service cloud up here also known as the ionosphere um, so you know in the sketch in general um, it's just something that I can get my bearings and figure out how I'm gonna put these pieces together and um, get it up there. Of course, there, there I am with my uh, nice hairdo making contacts down there. And my trusting fellow assistant, Wamariner. Also, plan on reusing some uh, wire. I have some THH in here left from some electrical projects that I had going on, and then also PVC. Ham's best friend that I have left over that I plan on using to support the antenna and keep most of the um, stress or tension off of the uh, copper or the conductor of the antenna. But in good cheap old man fashion, we'll reuse some things we have. Also, have a four to one bailing that I plan on using. And of course, we got our friends, the trees, who help us out on our ham duties. Put the branches way up there, probably 60, 70 feet up there in the trees, and uh, that's where we'll be putting it. More likely during the daytime. And from my field day bag, we have lots of rope to use, and the keel I was mentioning. I always keep one of them in there, and some other things, uh, but mainly the rope there. And once we put it together, I'll do a performance test to see if it makes any difference over the wire that I have up there in the trees. Now we can do a side-by-side -side comparison with the uh, multiple inputs on the tuner to see uh, what difference it makes. I've heard that it's a little bit better on signal-to-noise ratio as far as receive goes. We'll find out. That's a pretty good trick, training that dog. I'd like for you to train yeah. mine as well. <laughs> Go get him from next door, boy. That's a good dog. <laughs> Has he paid for himself yet? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In PVC alone, huh? He earns his keep. <laughs>
it's really it's really the copper. <laughs> oh, the copper. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see your point. That was good. That's interesting. I'd be interested to see uh, your results after you try it out. Yeah, we're going to see the difference uh, in signal to noise ratio. Um, somebody in the chat room was asking what's the difference between square loop and a uh, delta loop, and considering this. Uh, one of them's like this, and the other one's like that. <laughs> Besides that, yeah. um, there is uh, there is some radiation. I think differences as far as patterns go, and uh, we'll see. Though we're going to find that out because this antenna is being repurposed from a rectangle. That's what I had up there originally. Ah, okay. So, you know, cheapo man repurposing. Got to yep. do it. Heck yep. yeah, man. Uh, you know, I use an 80 meter loop here, mm -hmm. and I I like the loop. It is definitely quieter than than the other HF antennas I've tried here. Last night I was able to. Where did I talk? Germany, Austria. Italy and Serbia, yeah, on on seventy five meters. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and the antenna's not really that high. I wish I could get it up higher, but yeah, can't right here. We'll we'll be looking forward to seeing how that turns out, Emil. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to cover the uh, logistics of how to get it up there, and then we'll actually go through it, and then we'll test it on the on the uh, next segment there. Yeah, yeah, it's just so coincidence. The uh, air cannon thing you were talking about was actually on the pre-show tonight. Nice. Yeah. Yep. And that was an early episode for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very early. Well, you've got a Facebook post you want to bring forward tonight? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a follow-up from our uh, friend uh, W9KHZ, George in Kentucky, who uh, operated during the winter field day and uh, and... He showed us a bunch of pictures on the Facebook post. Um, he did mention that it rained and rained and rained, but they still had a good time and some fun with some good company and good food. You can see that console they have built with uh, hanging on the chains there. Mm -hmm. So it's a you know a flip down uh, console table they built inside of his trailer. I thought that was a really neat uh, yeah. deal so that they can work portable and and out of the main weather, especially since it's raining and cold. During winter field day. That's nice. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's a good setup. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, that's just a follow-up. And uh, I, I was able to make several contacts. I don't think I talked to them. But I probably racked up about 20 contacts for Logbook of the World. So good job, David and, and team. I would have liked to have tried winter field day. And we keep talking about it, but our ham fest falls on the same weekend here. Yeah, I happen to have been gone this week, that week anyways. But uh, uh, winter day would sure be a lot more pleasant down here than the summer field day. Yeah. Or winter field day weekend. <clears throat> well, we'll be back in, uh, well, just a couple of minutes here. We've got one more segment tonight. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. them. There's our homemade telegraph station. 
we can use it for long distance communications. Oh, like uh, what, three feet yeah, here? Across the table? The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using one. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but uh, the night's still young. Got one more segment for y'all tonight. We talked about the ham fest, and while we were there, uh, ICOM exhibited there this year. I may have been their first time ever to exhibit at the Jackson Amateur Radio Club Ham Fest here. Not sure. It's the first time since I've been going there. Yeah, same here. So, uh, Will Jordan came over from the Atlanta area, brought a nice variety of new radios there, and we talked to him a little bit. Hi, Will. Good to see you again. Good to see you, George. It's a pleasure to be here in uh, Jackson, Mississippi for the Capital City Ham Fest, and uh, I'm pleased to have brought the uh, the new radio with me today, the, the 7610. That is a really nice-looking radio. I know there's been an awful lot of talk about it, and we're still waiting for Ray to make it over and uh, shoot a demo video with us covering the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the uh, the guided tour that Ray will give everybody is going to be great. I've had a really good time here uh, yesterday evening and today uh, here at the, the Capital City Ham Fest showing this radio off to everybody uh, who comes through. Uh, it's been well-received. Folks have been excited to get over here and look at it, and I've been excited to show it off to them because it's a fun, fun radio. Well, we're glad that you're here. Is this your first trip to Jackson? It is. This is my first time in Jackson. Uh, I've been very impressed with this show. The turnout today, uh, to me, has been quite good. Uh, like I said, interest in the in the 7610 and in ICOM in general, the good old 7300, 7100 has been great. Uh, a lot of good hams here in Jackson. So I've got a question that I... I probably ask you every time I see you, and I don't. I want to see if the answer is the same as it was. I guess when we talked in Huntsville, what is the most popular radio in the ICOM line right now? Well, I probably still have to go with the seventy three hundred, but I got to say the seventy six ten is really starting to give it a run for its money, George. It really is. But it's the the software-defined radios. Those are the ones that have got people excited right now. Yeah, I kind of halfway figured it was going to be the 7300 right here behind me. Um, You know, that's at the price, it's just a no-brainer. You know, if you're looking at a radio in that price range... Why would you consider anything else? That's a great point. It's, it's, a, it's an, at an accessible price point for a lot of folks. Um, and as I tell a lot of folks, it's a radio that they're not going to grow out of anytime soon. It's a radio that they can get into as, at an entry-level price, uh, but it will last them as long as it needs to, and it'll serve even if they decide to step up to something bigger with more features like the 7610. Uh, the 7300 will continue to be a marvelous backup radio, field day radio, uh, everything like that. So it's it's you're probably right. I, I would say the 7300 is probably still the most popular one, but it's the SDRs. Everybody's excited for them. And, you know, since ICOM has brought out these two rigs here, 
It doesn't really feel like an SDR. It feels like a radio. And you're exactly right. And uh, it's a great point that uh, that I stress to folks. You know, I, I have guys walk into the booth all the time, and they say, "Oh, you know, that's the new one." I've you know I've been reading about it, and they say, "You know, you know what's what's new? What what makes it better than the you know the 7600?" And I say, "Well, first off, the biggest difference is that it's a software-defined radio." And they go, "Really? Wow! They didn't they didn't realize it because." It still looks like a traditional ham radio on the outside. It looks like an ICOM, you know, and that's important to us. We want to maintain the VFO knobs uh, for the guys that, that want to have them, uh, but at the same time, we give you all the benefits and trappings of an SDR at the same time. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good balance. Yep. So the big difference between the 7300 and the 7610 Dual receivers, or is there something else that sets them apart? Dual receivers is certainly one of the largest differences between the two. Uh, another key difference between the 7610 and the 7300 is the direct video output off the back of the 7610. Oh. What what format? It's a, a DVI output right off the back. So you can run it up to a, a TV monitor, computer screen. Uh, it'll give you exactly the same display as what you see on the front of the radio on its screen, uh, just bigger and bigger and better up on a big screen. Cool. Well, what's going on with um, D-Star these days? Anything new going on there? D-Star is still great. We've still got uh, strong infrastructure all around the country, all around the globe. Uh, We just recently uh, put out the uh, G3 gateway software update. Uh, So that was marvelous, just making sure that the the D-Star network and the, the infrastructure continues to work as best as it can and continues to serve the amateur radio hobby. Uh, in its fullest capacity. So the 4100, I, I've got one of those now. How How is that being received? It's been received quite well. You know, it's uh, physically just about identical to the 880, which was a hugely popular radio in its own right. Uh, it maintains all of the great things about the 880. One of my favorite things about the 880 was always the size of the control head. Uh, cars these days, they're full of their own technology on the dash, and so they don't leave much room for our technology. But with the 880, uh, by and large, you're usually able to find a good place to get that head unit to go. And the 4100 is just the same. Um, it does have a built-in GPS now, though, as you guys uh, noted yeah. in the uh, in the shootout. So, uh, you know, it's, like I say, it's just all the greatness of the 880 uh, wrapped into the same package and with a few extra better features sprinkled on top. Cool. Yeah, it's much easier to operate, in my opinion. It's, uh, it does have fully, uh, fully fleshed out DR mode uh, for D-Star operation, uh, which is marvelous because what that means is that anyone who's familiar with DR mode in any of the other ICOM radios like the 51A or the 5100 or even the 7100, they're going to find themselves immediately familiar with the 4100 and how it operates on D-Star, and they'll be pros in no time. Well, great to visit with you again, and I guess, I don't know, I guess maybe the next time I will see you will be Dayton. Probably up in Dayton. Uh, we'll be in uh, Orlando, Florida uh, next month, and then uh, shortly thereafter, of course, Dayton and then Huntsville. Uh, we'll catch up with you at some point, at one or all of them. All right, 7-3. Good talk to you. I kind of halfway suspected the 7300 was still going to be the most most requested. Yeah, for the, for the bang for the buck, mm-hmm. like, the other radio, the other radios look super oh, yeah. nice, and I'm I'm dying to see it. But a lot of people don't just don't have the money, and for an entry level price radio, you get a lot of radio. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so, but anyway, I'm I'm dying to see the the seventy six ten. Yeah.
And, you know, Will and I really didn't talk much about the 7610 because Ray's been wanting to to show it to yeah. us himself. Oh, yeah. And he will be here uh, this coming Friday night. I can't see the date on the calendar right now. I think it's the 16th. Yeah. If if Friday happens to be the 16th, well, that's when it's going to be. Uh, 8 o'clock Central, we're planning on uh, it, it streaming it live. For sure. Yep. So uh, join us, and uh, we'll, we'll get a good in-depth look on that rig. Uh, everybody's been wanting to see it. so Including uh, us. Yeah, including Actually, us. I did see it in uh, well, We Dallas. saw a, Yeah, you did, didn't you? Mm-hmm. We but, saw a uh, prototype sort of in Dayton. Yeah, it was behind uh, glass. So the one in Dallas was a functional mm-hmm. radio, but there were so many people at that club meeting, I didn't really get to look at it very close. Yeah, and Those were not my fingerprints all over it. Well, you'll Although get to I had, some of them were blamed on me by, by <laughs> Mr. Novak. Well, you will get to see it like it was just right there. Just like there, it's Tommy. right here. Yeah. Almost, you could almost reach out and touch it. Exactly. Well, there probably will be some of my fingerprints on it next time. Yeah, yeah, it very well could be. Yeah. Well, Emil, if you were wanting to watch Amateur Logic, how could you do it? Oh, wow. There's a whole bunch of different ways to watch Amateur Logic. I know uh, you got your own uh, Roku channel going, and I uh, believe the uh, YouTube method, and I'm probably missing a whole lot more, right, Tommy? Uh, the direct downloads. Yep. Off the website. Uh, you can also download from iTunes. Oh, yeah, we are on iTunes. Yep. I forget about that. I'm the one that puts it up there. You are. Yeah, mm-hmm. so in, uh, actually in Ham College, uh, I changed the search for Ham College because it wasn't coming up and it shows up okay. better now. Cool. Uh, yeah, but um, but I think the uh, Roku is probably the most popular. Uh, yeah, and you know, that just always surprises me, but it's a good format. And you can also watch live when we're sh- shooting them. It's live.amateurlogic.tv. Yep, and uh, if you're a lot of people ask about the schedule, so if you if you want to watch live, keep an eye on the uh, social media outlets. We usually post ahead of time on Twitter, which ha- actually happens to be up here right now. We've, we're at Amateur Logic and at Ham College. Uh, we're on uh, Facebook. We've got uh, Amateur Logic and Ham College groups there, and we're also on Google Plus and have both groups on those as well mm-hmm. ham college and amateur logic yep so there's a lot of places to watch and the one place we don't post it typically is on the website yeah and you would think we would but we don't yeah because uh <laughs> someone actually went sent me an email and they actually went there looking for it uh, and I, i'm trying to set up a mail list that you can subscribe to and i got about three quarters with it and i have run into a few issues so i'm still trying to work through those so Hopefully within the next few weeks we'll actually have a, a email list that you can subscribe to, and I'll send out an email prior to cool. the show. Well, guys, uh, I think it's about time we wrap it up, put the ribbons on this one. Before we go, Tommy, any final thoughts? Nope. Uh, we'll see you next time, and uh, I can't wait to see what I'm going to do for my next segment. I can't either. <laughs> actually, I, I've got an idea, but... Uh, This time, I actually do have an idea. 
Well, I um, I don't know what I'm going to do next month yet, so we'll just have to see on that. I've got a couple of ideas, and we'll see if I can pull them off in time. Uh, yeah, this coming Friday night, join us for that live stream of the IC7600 in-depth review. Also join us at the end of the month for the next episode of Ham College. It's been growing in popularity lately. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that it sure has. We're real proud of that. Uh, Peter, any final thoughts from you? Oh, the only thing that, the, that springs to mind is that uh, in late April, I'm going to New Caledonia for uh, to attend the Giant Omelette Festival. And uh, if anybody's got anything amateur radio related that they'd like me to check out there, just drop me a line, peter at amateurlogic.tv, and uh, I'll have a look at it and see whether uh, I can uh, get some footage of it. New Caledonia, is that over in the Delta? I think it's up in North Mississippi, North up Mississippi. near Columbus. Okay, up there around a, Arnie. Actually, is a Caledonia yeah, up there. Cool. Well, we'll we'll be looking uh, for more info on the giant omelet there, Peter. And we want a a full report on the taste test and, you know, whether or not they apply Vegemite. I don't think they use Vegemite in New Caledonia, but uh, they do cook, I believe, an eight-foot-wide or thereabouts omelet. And uh, they do down in Abbeville in Louisiana as well. So um, uh, so you may be familiar with that, that particular festival. Burn your appetite. My son could probably eat an omelet about that big. <laughs> Email? Well, you know, I got to say, uh, Peter, I'm fascinated. And please call me so we can collaborate on how we're going to get that HF from Australia to Mississippi, if not through Louisiana, so that we can change that sign. Thanks for being here, everyone. It's uh it's good to be back for another show, and we appreciate everyone watching live. And, and those of you who uh, download and watch through the various methods afterwards. Yeah, yeah, appreciate you guys hanging in with us for so long. How many, how many yeah. years is this now? We're on the 13th year? Lucky 13. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, well, We're going to have to get a commemorative fishing lure for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> PL 259 fishing lure. I can see it already. Yeah. Lucky yes. 13. Hey. All right. 7 yeah, 3, everyone. 7 3. Yeah, 7 3. Yeah, 7 see you 3. Next time. you're making me go live no no i can't do this Mm-mm. no no i'm i'm behind the camera personality it's the 2017 jackson ham fest um, 2018 <laughs> that was a take from last year oh okay do you reckon we ought to bring them back <laughs> yeah we probably should <laughs>